Cause I'm in too deep And I'm trying to keep the butt in my head Instead of going under Cause I'm in too deep And I'm trying to keep the butt in my head Instead of going under Instead of going under I'll start I'll I'll get I'll start with an update to my Shenmue experience. I'm now at the harbor and I found myself driving a forklift around for hours and getting to work on time. Um <laughs> I'm getting quite bored of Shenmue at this point. <laughs> I don't know how oh, much no. how do I have do you know how much more I have to go? I'm looking for uh, uh, the Mad Angels. Uh, no, I don't know, but I I think it's quite a long experience. From what I understand, but, I mean, I don't know. So let, let let's see. I thought the lack of uh, fast travel and the lack of being able to to change the time of day uh, was quite twee and fun to begin with. And now I'm just, you know, it's someone says come back here tomorrow at midday, and it's and it's like midday the day before, and mm-hmm. it's getting kind of frustrating at this point <laughs> yeah so it's supposed to be around 20 hours oh geez looks like. i'm not even 10 hours in oh then you're not even halfway through. how many more people do i fight you know i found out shenmue <laughs> was uh originally supposed to be a virtua fighter game oh yeah yeah you're right i remember that yeah, yeah and and then they ch- they changed they changed it with a dream and it was supposed to be on the sega saturn and they changed it mm-hmm. when the Dreamcast was coming out, and then they removed the um, the links to Virtua Fighter. But that, but if you play it with that in mind, it makes sense why Ryu is uh, like trying to fight people all the time, and why the combat is just like Virtua Fighter combat. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just weird. But anyway, yep. Yeah, so that's my Shenmue update. <laughs> A very positive Shenmue update. I also get my update out of the way because this is something I wanted to address. Uh, I finished inscription and uh, well, I I think it's um, my least favorite of uh, all the Daniel Mullins games. Really? But yeah, but still, that doesn't mean really anything. It's still a very good game, so I would still recommend it uh, with no real uh, exceptions. But I wanted to address something. So I can't say anything about the rest of the game because what I already said in the previous episode was already quite spoilerish. But I will say something. I've seen a very vocal minority on the Steam forums that are really mad at Inscription. Because apparently what happened is that uh, Devolver Digital, the publisher, marketed Inscription as a kind of deck builder horror game. So apparently they... Uh, advertised it like that first act, the one you see in all the images and all. The yeah, trailers. that's. I thought it. W- that's what it was. It's just a deck builder. Yeah. Game. See. Uh huh. See. Yeah. Basically, apparently that's how how they market it. Now I don't know this because I mean I I just I knew that it was a Daniel Mullins game, so <laughs> it meant that you have to expect anything, anything goes. Uh. But yeah. Still, uh, apparently, they did the marketing wrong. I mean, 
which is hard to do marketing for a Daniel Mullins game because <laughs> I mean it's also different and it's all it's an experience that's constantly changing. As I said, even if you even if I say anything that happens after the first three hours will be a spoiler. So yeah, I mean I understand it. it it's hard to do marketing correctly for uh, inscription. But still, what I would like to say is that I don't really think that the main gameplay changes that much. I mean, it stays a deck builder. Maybe it's it loses the horror vibe. Uh, yeah, that that yes, that I can agree with. But that's all it happens. It just changes, you know, atmosphere. Just changes vibe, which is something that you know. Uh, it's not a deal breaker for me. It's it's okay. I mean, if it makes sense that this change happens, it's all right. And it makes sense in description, so I, you know, I had no problems with it. And, but yeah, apparently many people uh, did have, I mean, not that many, but yeah, several people had a problem with this. And they actually wanted to uh, Steam to change their refund policy (laughs) and (laughs) make it after like three hours that, you know, after three hours, they wanted to still be able to ask for a (laughs) refund. But yeah, that, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, if anyone listening is interested in inscription, personally, I would say go for it. If you want something that is not just a horror deck builder game. If you want something a bit, you know, more interesting and that uh, has many flavors. Uh, yeah, maybe, you know, the ending is not so quite so satisfying, even though, you know, considering that the previous Daniel Mullins game, the ending was found like the real ending was found like two months later uh, <laughs> after the the game was out in another game that he published randomly on Steam under another name, under name as a developer. So yeah, I mean, the real ending could be anywhere at this point. So yeah, but yeah, the the ending that it, it's in the game, it's not quite so satisfying. But still, as an experience, I'm still you know quite positive on it. It's not my game of the year, unfortunately, as I was anticipating, but it's a good game. So yeah, I'm still recommending it. Speaking of game of the year, I'm I'm going to tease an upcoming episode that I I have not even spoken to you about. (gasps) Oh God. But our Christmas special, I think, is going to be about talking about our games of the year. Oh no, Christmas is cancelled. Oh no. So I want to talk about Riders Republic, Ubisoft. I know nothing about this. I think we're both quite lukewarm on Ubisoft games, right? (laughs) Yep. Uh, Riders Republic, did you ever play Steep? Uh, No. I'm familiar with it, but no. Okay. Riders Republic is basically uh, Steep, so snowboarding and skiing, plus Mm -hmm. uh, cycling and some kind of I don't even know what you call it but you have like a weird squirrel suit and you have a rocket on the back and you can fly around uh and <laughs> racing that way and and it's it's basically uh everyone it's always online sort of multiplayer game and there's like five regions uh based in sort of North America so you have like a snowy region a desert region and uh the week long trial um just happened and i played it and to begin with i thought okay this is good like it's the 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 cycling is fun you have on-road and off-road and 
basically you go around this world exploring, finding new events, which are basically races to do and and doing them in, in all the different disciplines. So you can do skiing or snowboarding and, and uh, you know, downhill mountain biking. And, and it was really fun for a couple of hours. And then I just thought, is this it? Is this all there is to this game? And the, the, the really messed up thing is there's one big event, like this mega event that happens every so often. And there'll be like, I don't know, 25, 30 uh, people in a lobby. So it's like a giant race with other people. Uh, but the other smaller events are against other people's ghosts. Like, you know, in racing games where you t- try and beat, like, you see the, your your ghost of your car going around the, mm-hmm. the circuit. It's like that. You, you But you're not actually racing against other people in real time. So it feels a little bit dead. And it's one of those games where I think it's going to drop in price very quickly to, you know, 20 or 30 of your local currency and uh, mm-hmm. before Christmas. And, it, you know, it can be fun if you have a, a group of like four, five, six friends who you want to go in and mess around with. But there's not a lot to it. And I can't say I was looking forward to it anyway, but. Uh, yeah, so it's it's both good and bad. It's better than I thought it would be, but it it's also just a bit not fleshed out. It's just a by-the-books kind of Ubisoft expansion to Steep. Tell me something else you've been playing. I, I think I have to talk about... Uh, um, how do I even pronounce this? CLT? <laughs> CLT? Clit. Come on. Oh, you're talk talking about, about this game. Okay. Yes. Uh, I know nothing you, about it. <laughs> quote, unquote, unquote, game. Because I, I can't even talk about it on Twitter. I can't even show anything because it would ban me, probably. Uh, so, I've done my research. Clit, or actually CLT, how it's spelled, which is basically almost a BLT, but not quite a BLT. Oh, God. I would very much you like can't a, say that. <laughs> very much like a BLT right now. You but, can't come Okay. <laughs> Shh, come on. Let me speak. So, uh, Clit is a game about masturbation and of the female variety, especially. I mean, only of the female variety, of course, yes. Um, it's a tarot game. I-, I think it's mostly meant to play, to be played on a phone or something. It's basically stuck in portrait mode, so... Playing on a PC, it's kind of weird, but I don't. I'm not even sure there's actually an an Android or iOS version. So okay, uh, yeah. And all you do in the game is click on cards, and you have to choose the cards you have not clicked on to advance in the story. Uh, if I say it like this, it almost seems kind of a, like a game, but yeah, it's not really like that because there's almost no story to speak of. I mean, it, it all, of course, they're all sex stories and masturbation stories, but they read like they're, you know, very small, uh, like statements or something taken out of a diary, very, very short stuff very brief and like you know four or five words 
so I mean the, the narrative of course is not very interesting because it's also short and brief and also they had this idea of removing some of the letters in the story so like you know some letters are exchanged for others which you know even to my brain it was kind of a problem sometimes to understand what they meant uh, you know for example you, sex is written you know like socks or something like that with wow. the O instead of the E yes yeah, so stuff like that uh, so uh, they apparently did that to get around the censorship on Steam which uh, I kind of get but I think it's going to be a problem for people with dys dyslexia or something. So, I mean, it was even hard for me. So I can imagine someone has problems reading words. <laughs> it's going to be in a whole lot of trouble. But finally, we come to the artistic side of the thing. Uh, basically, all the tarot cards have this kind of uh, blot marks, like Rorschach ink blots, oh, you know? Okay. But they're all kind of red and bloody, which coupled with the fact that they're all kind of supposed to resemble, you know, uh, female genitalia. Oh. And female genitalia coupled with blood, um, kind of, you know, almost seems like a horror game at times. Because it's also, you know, kind of disquieting atmosphere and all this tarot with this bloody signs on them. It was like... Wasn't this supposed to be a game about masturbation? You know, you know the positive thing about masturbation. I mean, at one point, I, I, you know, I was actually starting to think it was a game against masturbation. You know, like Catholics against masturbation. Do not masturbate; you will go blind. Your, you know, your penis will fall off or whatever. Uh, yeah, it's also weird and disturbing and also pretty boring. Uh, I played it like fifteen minutes and don't want to play it ever again. If play is the right word, I don't know. Interact with it. So I'm. Let me get this straight then. So it's a card game about a clitoris, finding the clitoris, or interacting with the clit. I'm what? Okay, <laughs> I'm so we're, confused. We're, we were heading into very dangerous ground here. Um, <clears throat> so uh, no, it's a it's a card game. Yes, it's a card game where you basically have to get through this short story which is about sex or masturbation from the point of view of a woman. And to do that, you click on cards and you have to remember which one you clicked on because each card has like either a name or something, you know, a name of a guy, a name of a woman, or a name of an object, or even names of companies that sell dildos. So, you know, if someone wants to do a little bit of research, at least it, that it's helpful. Uh, but you have to remember which one you clicked on because otherwise the story will not advance and you will be sent back to the start, which is also very frustrating. <laughs> it does not make for a fun little game about masturbation. Uh, maybe it's all a very big metaphor about masturbation, you know, in that, you know, if you, you, know, you stumble into the wrong thought, you have to start all over again and you get distracted and... It's all frustrating and in the end it's not really worth it. But... Do, you, do you think it's that deep? Or do you think it's, you know, is it actually a commentary on <laughs> on these uh, this thing? Uh, or is it, is it someone that's just kind of made a game for giggles? No, no, no. I, I think it's serious. 
that's for sure. But uh, I think their idea was to create a positive experience, like to give to 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 men like a kind of ex- uh, idea of how a woman feels when she masturbates or something. Uh, but it doesn't work. I mean, for, if that was the objective, it doesn't work at all because it feels, you know, frustrating and you get bored. And so, but I that mean, it, isn't that the female experience? I mean, I, I hope not. I mean, th- 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 that's what I'm saying. I right, mean, I, I hope right. that that wasn't what they were trying to convey because that's, you know, that that's pretty bad. That's uh, the female so, experience I mean, when <laughs> men come into the picture and and uh, yeah, mess everything that up. That would make sense. Yeah, you know, as you said, that would make sense if you, yeah, you know, I'm a guy playing uh, a, a a game, an experience that's called Clit. So you know, I'm trying to get to the climax of the story because yes, that, that that's part of the of of your objective, getting to the climax, and I can't do it because it's so hard, it's frustrating, and at one point I give up. So yes, that's I think an experience that many girls, female and women can relate to. You know of guys not being able to you know do all that and giving up and getting bored and stuff so yeah but i i don't think that was the the objective of okay. <laughs> of the game it's you know it's not really okay but yes i don't want to play it ever again do you know who developed it i really think they should come on the podcast now oh shit <laughs> i i have questions and i need answers oh shit we would be in trouble i, I would not recommend this uh, I think we're in enough trouble now. I mean, if we survive this episode, <laughs> and uh, oh boy, Oof. I'm so sorry to who who our guest is today, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> Shall I tell? I'll tell. I'm, I'm gonna after that raunchy talk by Damiano. Yes. I'm gonna move on and talk about Kingdom New Lands. Oh yes, that's much better. Yes, have please. you have you played this game? Uh, I've played Kingdom. Uh, the original. I'm not 100% sure about New Lands, but I, I do have it. So I'm. I, I know the concept. I know how it works. So yes. Okay. It's basically the same thing. I. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I mean, I've hmm. I've played um yeah Kingdom before, but Kingdom New Lands is it's um it's a 2D side scrolling pixel art game where you play uh, a monarch. You can be a king or a queen. You kind of choose. And there's no dialogue. Uh, There's very little story. You kind of appear on a horse. A ghost tells you to come this way. And then the idea is to build up your kingdom uh, in the face of what is called the greed, which is basically uh, this group of you know, fantasy villains, like little evil creatures that come out of the dark forest and try to take your crown. And if they get your crown, it's game over. And you have to build a fortress, uh, build like build a castle, build defenses. And the objective is to move to the next island. You're on an island. Is to build your boat, uh, build rebuild a broken boat, and sail to the next island to progress. And like you can, you build towers. You can, you can, you basically find vagrant camps of like homeless people in the woods, and you like pay them to be builders and soldiers and archers and uh, farmers. And as you go, you kind of upgrade your town center, Age of Empires style. 
and you get uh, taxes and but it's all done with no um, it's all done with no dialogue it's you just kind of it's all and it's and it's purposeful that you have to kind of experiment to see what things do you'll come across like a shrine in the woods and you pay for gold and you don't know what it does but then you kind of find out it upgrades your arches or upgrades your walls or you know and and you just walk around and people will drop things like hunters will just drop gold once they've killed animals and stuff and then you just kind of go up to a wall and and it'll have a outline of like three gold pieces and then you hold uh one of the buttons and it'll take three gold pieces from you and then a builder will come and start upgrading the wall it's all very very minimalist but there's just so much storytelling in in that and it's just such a surprise like if you see a screenshot you'd probably think oh how much fun could that be but it's actually a really good game yeah 100 percent agree it's uh, uh it's one of those games kingdom that i like played it like three hours the first session that i did then basically never again <laughs> but yeah it was a very good first session so yes i would definitely recommend it and it's all done with no dialogues and it's all very intuitive and yeah very good design one that i can recommend and speaking of recommendations uh there's this uh, another game about masturbation no 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 i'm kidding no enough masturbation uh th- th- this is a game called grotto which as the name my- might uh suggest is takes pe- takes place in a cave it all takes place in a cave and you're a soothsayer as they say in the game basically you look at the stars look at the constellations and use these constellations to answer the questions that these people that come into the cave, that are called brutes, give to you. Uh, so, of course, each constellation comes with a kind of like, you know, small fortune cookie wisdom, which is very generic. Like, you know, uh, uh, tears in a desert will uh, quench everyone's thirst. You know, very generic kind of fortune cookie stuff that. Sometimes, of course, the problem is that you just have to answer very simple question, yes or no, but you still have to use constellations to do it. So uh, it really works on various layers of how difficult communication is sometimes that you say something to someone and they understand something completely different from what you meant. And at the start of the game, there's something uh, important that uh, a character tells you, which is, uh, if you say, you know, uh, blue, as in the color blue, to someone that asks you a question, one person might think of the sea, another person might think of the sky, another person may just become sad, mm. because, you know, blue. Uh, yes, that's basically how the game works. You just go around in your cave, and draw these constellations in the sky and use them to answer questions. Then you get some other tools, you know, the typical tools of the fortune teller, like bones, you throw bones and you get in, in contact with the, the ancestors and stuff. We get to smoke a pipe, you know, all of that stuff. But it's, <clears throat> the narrative is very, very well done. And yeah, it's important that it's well done because 
the gameplay is very limited. You just basically go around in this small cave and just, you know, grab the constellations and bring them to whoever is visiting your cave with an answer and asking a question. That's it. That's really all you do. And yeah, I honestly, after the two hour mark, it's three hours more or less. After the two hour mark, I was feeling a bit of fatigue. <clears throat> because the story also touches upon some very, you know, dramatic points. There's, even though it's basically very little animation, so you just see these 2D sprites that are talking to you. Despite this, there's, you know, uh, sexual themes and violence and decapitations and, you know, it's a very, uh, it's heavy stuff. It's an important narrative and it, it's pretty well done. But again... The mechanics are so limited that after a couple of hours I was feeling, you know, a bit of fatigue and yeah, maybe they should have stopped at two hours. Also, there's kind of two endings, but they did that stuff that there's not really two endings. I don't know if you know what I mean, Jesse, in that one ending is clearly wrong. Ah, uh, yeah. You choose that ending and it like ends abruptly right away, like, you know, boom, that's it. And, but the other ending like goes on for another 10 minutes and get some more story stuff. So clearly there's just one ending, despite the developers wanting you to think that there's two. But yeah, I was, you know, I was feeling very emotional. I cried and stuff. So yeah, the narrative is clearly, clearly very well done. Sorry about the, the game mechanics. So if you don't care that much about the game mechanics, you might have fun. But yeah, otherwise, if you want something, you know, a little bit deeper than just going around in a cave and bringing around constellations that probably Grotto is not the, the, game, the right game for you. But yeah, great art style as well. So what else is on the menu? I will tell you about a point and click adventure game. Ah, oh, my favorite genre. It's called Grobot. I should probably point out the publishers of Grobot uh, application systems, Heidelberg, gave me a code so that I could play it. So take my opinion with, you know, whatever you will. But uh, not that I am going to say good things about Grobot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Grobot is actually a good game. So you uh, you play a robot on a space station. This is this is hard to explain, hard to follow. And uh, so you're, you're like a little robot that looks like it's from the game machinarium and you're on a space mm -hmm. station and you have you grow flowers that's why it's called growbot it's like a pun mm -hmm. uh, but you have flowers in your head there's like a glass container over the top of your head the robot's head and and there's flowers that grow in there anyway something has attacked the space station and uh you don't know like where, the, where your crewmates are and the whole game is about finding out what's going on and all that. But it, there's this real magical realism aspect to it. And you can, you like come encounter these characters that like, there's this one that looks like a giant, like intergalactic teddy bear snow monster thing called star belly, I believe. And it has a, a universe or a galaxy in its stomach. And then you come across these little Pikmin characters. And it's that kind of very cutesy art style um, game. Uh, the art is fantastic. Uh, it's by Lisa Evans, who's a, a professional, you know, award-winning artist. What about the music? The music is very good. It has like a classical okay. piano-y style. Ding, 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 ding. You know, 
really nice uh, accompaniment, and uh, the sound design is also good. And the story is right. What there is of the story is good. Uh, the characters are interesting, but it just like the first half of the game, I was quite into it, and I just couldn't put it down. And I played all like all day, or you know, well, I say all day. You're, you're you know, uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But I played for a long time, and then the second half of it kind of loses its way because the problem is it in the game in total is about three and a half hours long. And it ra- it feels like they got halfway through and then rushed the end of the game because mm-hmm. you do meet all these really interesting characters, but nothing. There's no like exposition. Nothing really comes of it. And then you're also kind of confused. Like all these characters I described to you, I can't really tell you what the the little Pikmin people are or do really. Same with mm-hmm. like the the big star belly thing. Because it's never really explained. I think it's just there to be cute. They're just there to be kind of cutesy, to be cutesy, you know, to say, oh, it's a charming game. And it is, it is actually a charming game, but it's, it's kind of, it really just kind of let me down in the, in the latter half where the story is wrapped up, but really quickly, not very satisfying. And I just wish it's the pacing feels off. Like if they'd, done more with the game like had you left the space station or had the space station been bigger it'd be very interesting because the whole game is about music you have to each flower you come across has a different musical note and you have to kind of you come up against these shields and you have to make a shield key to get past them and the way you do that is the shield will emit a tune and then you have to make the tune with the flowers you've co- collected, you know? And then you, you do that, you make a shield, and you, know, you you match the tune that the shield is is playing. Uh, and you create a shield key, and you kind of move on. And there's lots of different kind of puzzles and minigames, uh, including like a maze-type one. Uh, there's a couple puzzles in there that get... It kind of they it falls into that old trap of adventure game puzzles just being really, really hard uh, and obtuse. Um, and and yeah, it's, it all kind of starts to unravel once you get past the kind of hour mark, and uh, you still there's so many mechanics and elements and stuff that doesn't make sense, uh, but not in a not in a kind of Gabriel Garcia Marquez way, in a kind of like uh, you know just just in a why you know like eighty eighties horror movie kind of yeah, way. I'm still wondering why why <laughs> my flowers are playing musical notes and stuff like that. It's a bit weird but you know it's a good game it's not terrible by any means but it's not going to be you know game of the year or anything but that's fine do you have anything else to talk about yes oh. i have to i have to actually uh thank dave oshery from new blood interactive because he hooked me up with a key for for dusk 82 i will very briefly touch upon dusk 82 so what is dusk 82 once first we have we have to say what what dusk is dusk is that time of the day that comes no no just kidding dusk is a first person shooter part of the renaissance of the classic shooter so called boomer shooters from the 90s uh by new blood interactive and it's uh, very well done it's a kind of a horror first person shooter and recently 
uh, came out on Switch as well. So definitely recommend it if anyone has a Switch and has a, as an itch, a Switch with an itch. <laughs> for, uh, uh, you know, kind of pixel, heavy pixelated um, first-person first experiences from the early 90s. Uh, yeah, mid-90s. Definitely recommend it. And Dusk 82 is basically its small brother. And it's done like a very early computer game. Uh, it's a bit like Sokoban. Don't know if, you, if you're familiar with Sokoban. No, I'll say no. Uh, <laughs> I'll say no. Okay. Okay, yeah. But yeah, Sokoban is a really basic game that you have to move around crates and bring them to certain parts of the room. And the main problem is that, of course, you can only move crates in when they're in certain positions, so you can very easily, you know, fuck up your whole game. And yeah, Dusk 82 works a bit like Sokoban, but you also can shoot, of course, so you got these very basic levels where you have to uh, get rid of all the enemies and then go to the exit. Very simple stuff. So, you know, someone would say, no, you know, it's a meme game, you know, it's kind of a piss take, but it's really well done. Level design is fine, it's nice, it's fun, it's quick, you know, very good for a quick, like, you know, 10 minutes break uh, from anything you've been playing. Yeah, it's great. So, thank you, Papa Dave, for hooking me up with uh, Dusk82. I'm eternally thankful. Thank you very much. Right, I have one more game. Go on. Moonglow Bay. Wow. I, uh, I'm not familiar. You're not familiar? It's recently nope. come out on Xbox Game Pass, and it was announced, I think, back in the summer uh, at one of the events, and it's a really small team. I think it's a couple, or I think it's a male-female team. I don't know, friends or something like that. And it's set uh, on the coast of Canada in moon in a fictional place called Moonglow Bay. And I, when I when I saw uh, the announcement, mm-hmm. um, I was like, "Oh, this seems okay," but it's uh, it's got art like the tourist. Have you seen mm. that game? Like it's kind of isometric and it's made of blocks. It, yeah. it looks a bit Minecrafty, uh-huh. but not really Minecraft. Yeah. yeah. And um, you select the first thing that happens is you select one of four people to. Uh, one of four like characters to be and then you choose your pronouns so like he him they or her or whatever despite how your character looks um and then you move on and then you choose who your partner is out of the other three and then you choose their pronouns and then you get into the game Mm -hmm. and and the whole premise is you live in moonglow bay there was this kind of accident your partner went missing there's some kind of curse on the bay, like a, a big monster thing comes out of the bay, and uh, you you get depressed. Uh, your daughter comes. It's three years later after this event. Your daughter comes back into town. Your partner's declared dead because they've been seen in three years. Uh, I guess from I can't remember from if they got thrown off the boat by this monster or something. I, I don't remember. But um, the point is, you the game is about fishing. And cooking, mm? uh, cooking your fish, and uh, but you run around, but also interacting with the town. So you kind of run around. There's an aquarium. You can take fish to the aquarium, and uh, they they kind of will take the first species of fish 
you catch of every species of fish you catch and uh, then that increases how much the dishes you cook with the fish are worth and so you have kind of fish and chips and all these you know dishes from everywhere and they all require different fish and and you kind of so you go fishing you then go home you have to cook them in a mini game so each uh each dish will have a different recipe so you have to get the fish out of the fridge and then maybe you wash it and then maybe you fry it or maybe you boil it first and then chop it or you know all this and then you prepare them all and then you put them you sell them outside your house you have like a vending machine you put them in the vending machine and people buy them and then you can upgrade things and eventually you get your boat uh, your old boat you get that uh, seaworthy again and then you can go out on the open ocean and fish from there and and it's all intertwined with that uh you can upgrade invest in things around the town and help people around the town out and find out kind of unravel this mystery of what's going on and i played it for a good few hours uh, the other night and i'm really surprised by how good it actually is so i highly recommend checking that out especially if you if you have xbox game pass uh because you don't have to pay any money for it but how do depressions and the pronouns come into it come into play um just that that is what the other characters will refer to you as oh, in the game okay. um oh, okay okay no I, I thought it was kind of a you have to choose pronouns for the other characters as well well uh, I... yeah you choose the pronoun for your partner as well but your partner's not actually in the game but i guess it affects her ah, okay. okay okay you okay. see all right that was a lot of game that was a lot of rambling uh I think it's time to introduce our guest. And who is our guest today? Yeah, she's been waiting in the lobby all this time. So, yes, time to let her in. So, our guest today is Layal El Faki, which I surely pronounced that wrong. But, yeah, she's a game programmer from Lebanon. And she's here to tell us how she works, what she's been working on, and all of that good stuff. So, what I was curious to ask you, uh, Lyle, was uh, about a bit about how it was. Uh, did you grow up in uh, Lebanon, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I grew up in Lebanon. Okay. I'm born, I'm raised, I'm still here all okay. of my life. Till now, yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I was curious to ask, uh, how was the experience of growing up in uh, Lebanon and how did you get to play your first games? What were those first games? How did it happen? All of that. Um, well, you know that Lebanon is in Middle East, and we all know the situation mm-hmm. in Middle East most in most countries, not all of them. Uh, I live uh, sadly in a battle zone, so um, I could say it's tough. It's pretty tough. You have wars and you have um, incidents uh, that are pretty traumatizing, like PTSD, for example. Um, but uh, I never thought that I could find a community for game devs here. And it was something that I really wanted to do when I was little because I use games as part of my escape from this reality. And um, I never thought that I could have this opportunity. And I found it by chance. It was by chance. A Google search uh, 
game community in Lebanon and I just found Unity Lebanon. And that's how um, I became a game developer and I started making games. Um, I graduated as computer science, so that, that one helped me at some point to move much more faster. So, um, yeah, uh, it's not always um, horrible. I, like, despite everything, you need to survive and find a way to live your life, right? And enjoy it. There are good things. Yep. Um, the good thing was um, um, joining game jams, local and international, like global game jams, exploring um, um, diverse communities, especially. Mm-hmm. That was a very good thing for me. Um, it's tough. It's difficult because here in uh, in Lebanon, especially, we don't have um, a lot of game dev commu- a lot of game communities and game studios. Sorry, companies. Um, so that was a challenge for us to stay in this field um, because eventually we need to travel for experience uh, in order to work in bigger companies. Um, it's it's a constant challenge. It's not easy. And um, we're holding on. I'm holding on. So that's that what I can say. But uh, um, and hopefully where do you I'll want, get where, where I where want. Where do you want to be? I want to be, you know, it's very sad to say this, but I want to be in a place where I have basic human rights. I work in games and I can pay it forward. I want to be anywhere. I want to travel the world, honestly. I don't have a specific place. So so you're saying any place? Like, I'd love to work with any company that respects me and um, that give me an opportunity um, without any discrimination, to be part uh, in their big communities and do games. Uh, any company in Europe, any company in America, any, wherever, in Asia. It's all part of experience and enjoying. So uh, I don't mind anywhere. Ubisoft, okay. um, any indie studio also, AA companies, like King, for example. It's more of exploration. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you mentioned before uh, your um, experience of playing games as a sort of uh, escape from reality. Um, can I ask you what what were those games? What what titles do you remember that you liked? Oh, of course, of course. Um, so let's say I remember in two thousand six, the game that touched me a lot was Final Fantasy twelve because the story was a bit close to our reality here in the region, where you have two countries battling and there is like a middle country. Um, this game really helped me a lot. I spent a lot of hours, uh, intensive hours playing this game. I also played Kingdom Hearts 2. Now, that was depressing, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it was very... De- I consider Kingdom Hearts serious, uh, a depressing game, but it's, it's, it's at the same time, it's very heartwarming. But it has Goofy. It's, How it's can it be beautiful. depressing? <laughs> no, it has Donald. <laughs> He never he never heals you. It had. What happened to Donald? I've never played it. <laughs> Wait, that, no, Donald you. is depressing. What's going on? <laughs> oh my when God. you want Donald, he does not. He's not there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love this game so much, especially when like you have uh, the where like Sora say that my friends are my power, and you go meet a lot of um, uh, friends from different worlds. And the uh, the gameplay itself, I personally like it. 
I like RPG games. Mostly. These are the two games that really uh, I've spent a lot of hours playing, uh, especially in tough times. Square Enix company. I love Square Enix, honestly. It's one of the best companies. Uh, so, yeah, you... Um... You started playing games quite recently, or were you also playing games before as a as a child? I started playing as a child. As a, yeah, I started playing games mm. when I was six years old. It started with Sonic, with Game Gear, and uh, okay. oh, the Game Gear! Yes, yeah, it's my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite console. And I hardly me. Yes, no one else had that. I don't know why. They're missing a lot. Well. It, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was expensive in Italy. I mean, the Game Boy was way cheaper, at least here. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it was expensive. <laughs> Maybe your parents didn't love you. Maybe. Oh well. <laughs> Jesse, don't go there. Don't go. There. You, you don't yeah, want yeah, to I've, go there. I've messed up now. <laughs> Game Boy, uh, Game Gear was the best. Um, there was Sonic. There was um, a, I don't know what's called in English. Uh, uh, Smurfs, the Blue Smurfs. Uh huh. The game. Yeah, it was good. It was a good game. What was your favorite game on uh, uh, Game fa- Gear? Favorite? I mean, I played Sonic on it, um, but I uh, Shinobi mm-hmm. as well. I like Shinobi. But I was very good because I was also six or something. Oh, cool. That's great. Well, 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 uh, well, Ayal, you wandered into a kind of a cove of Sega Sega fans here. So, I yeah. mean, <laughs> as long as you yeah. mention anything related to Sega, you'll be quite much loved and appreciated so <laughs> that's great i mean that's what we all want we love them we appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> sorry Damiana, what's your favorite game on game boy uh that's a great question uh i think the one i'm more um emotionally attached to is probably super mario land one of the very first titles uh but i also but i mean if you ask me what would you like to play on Game Boy, I would probably say uh, Wireland, the first Wireland, which was still, I mean, still great to play, it's fun. Uh, Super Mario Land is okay, but, you know, it, it made, made sense at the time because you didn't have anything else to play when you were away from home and stuff. So, yeah, but, you know, but playing it like, you know, emulators or stuff, yeah, Super Mario Land is a bit less, uh, let's say, impressive. But... Did you have the uh, the giant screen that magnified it? No, nope. you know, with the light. Nope. On? Oh, I didn't know that. I actually want to share. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it like clipped to the top of the Game Boy because I had a Game Boy as well, and it like folded over so it magnified everything so you could that's actually cool. see what was going nice. on, and it had a little light and. Uh, I mean, that's play the, that's the technology we'd like to have always. I mean, that's pretty cool. You have a lot of add-ons for the for the, for the platform. Yeah. <laughs> And that's actually what I wanted to say is that in Italy, the Game Gear was pushed like crazy, but not for the games, uh, ironically enough, but for the, the TV tuner, which I don't know if you guys remember, <laughs> that allowed, that, yeah, it attached to the console. It had a small antenna that allowed you to see television on the, on, yeah, on the Game Gear, no which, you know, uh, the, yeah, the commercials made it seem like, you know, that it was, fantastic crazy you know just to see tv on a small screen but thinking back to how you know uh, low the resolution was on the game gear i don't really think it was quite a great experience to watch tv on that mm-hmm. uh, understandable the screen is very small 
<laughs> yeah, I remember it being big, but then now, now when you go back and look, you're like, this is tiny. <laughs> How they they fit a real, you know, back then, like you had CRT TVs, they fit a real TV. I think that's so. why my vision is right now a bit uh, not good. Because like we've used very small screens. <laughs> Blame it on the Game Gear. <laughs> they were right the whole time <laughs> when they said you will go cross-eyed and stuff if you look at it too much yeah yeah true uh so uh getting back to the to our topic um so uh I just can't help it i'm so sorry what's, what's going on now <laughs> i'm having just having a laughing fit like when we <laughs> talked to alex i have no idea yeah, like, like, yeah, you have to excuse him he's probably also <laughs> suffering from ptsd of some kind so <laughs> oh, yeah. we're all in the same boat oh god yeah it's probably because of the podcast you know you got you know, it's kind of a new thing for him doing this kind of co-host <laughs> it's too much, yes, it's too much. <laughs> no one should have to listen to their own voice yes, so much. yes especially yes so it's stressful so you have to you know uh, so, I'm sorry, Jesse. We're all sorry for you, Jesse. Yes, we're all sorry for you, Jesse. Yes, indeed. Look, no. <laughs> back on, back yeah. on topic. Let's get back on track. So, uh, so Elia, I was curious. Um, uh, when when you got the idea to become a game developer, um, mm-hmm. were you also already working on your own, like trying to make small games and stuff? or? So, in my previous life, I was a web developer. And oh. I used to work on websites. Oh, the plot thing. Yeah, there's a plot twist. I used to work on websites. It was very boring. There was nothing uh, visual appealing for it for me. There's no physics. There's no jumping. I'm just coding different type of languages. And the team was kind of not encouraged me when they know that I play games. So I was uh, the only girl between them. And um, at some point, I got a little bit bullied because of this. When I always talk about game development and I'm so excited, um, they just told me that you can't make games. You got to stick with web development because there's nothing like this here. And I think this is the part that made me more curious and uh, made me want to change, you know, because change is also good. Change is liberating from things that keeps you back. And that, that, at that time, that what I felt. Um, I started prototyping. I went to the Unity. I discovered Unity because I just searched uh, top game engine. And it was Unity, CryEngine, and Unreal. I used Unity because of C Sharp as a programmer that's close to me. And there was, a, back then, there was JavaScript also. Um, I started prototyping. It was, it was... Uh, it was just a ball, a jumping ball, and it took me like uh, three weeks. I was was doing the ping pong game that uh, Brackies made from his tutorial. Bless Brackies, we miss him a lot. So um, from that, it kicked off with me. I, I noticed that um, this is the field that I want to pursue, and I loved it a lot. After the ping pong, I just prototype um, a VR game. It's like you're entering in the company that I was working on, working in, sorry. And uh, it made me discover more the engine. Um, the, also, the it was the Oculus Rift. It was the, a very old version of Oculus. 
there were wires everywhere um <laughs> it was pretty much funny <laughs> yeah the old the old one and um that's how it started I think if it weren't for tutorials online, I wouldn't know how to start. If there weren't brackies, if there weren't uh, references, uh, forums, I wouldn't know that I can pursue this because I needed guidance. I was uh, a, a pretty much a beginner. I needed help by this. And um, online communities are very important when it comes to... Um, um, uh, practicing the pro uh, practicing and prototyping or practicing your work or advancing so that, that that one thing that helped me a lot that made me decide to leave web development so you just decided uh on your own to to go and yeah. uh, teach yourself teach basically. myself and i found a game development company um in lebanon it opened so that was a chance for me uh i took the risk because I, I can't stay without a job, you know? It was pretty much um, tough back then. I took the risk, I contacted them, and I told them, um, I'm here, I can be an intern, um, I can do anything, I can learn, I'm a fast learner, and that's how I got the job. I started as an intern, I started working on a mobile game called Fat Bunny and Endless Hopper, and uh, after that, they offered me a part-time job. Wow, that's good. Yeah, yeah it's... Um, it's it's very beautiful. This company is amazing. They're called Groovy Anthoid, and um, they really like um, they really helped me in this um, in a way where I felt like I am a team member uh, equal to my other teammates, even if I were the only girl between them. I never felt discrimination. It was all about equality. My ideas were they listened to my ideas. And uh, they pushed me. They pushed me to talk in public speaking and mentoring. I'm a shy person at first. So that's why I got more um, uh, character. Uh, I developed my character, um, my voice. And um, yeah, that, that, that was a great experience for me. But that, this kind of leads into um, something I wanted to ask you, which was the aspect of being uh, a woman who is also a game dev who also lives in Lebanon. Um, you know, how do you find those three mix? You've said kind of, you know, beforehand uh, you, that your coworkers weren't supportive. And I mean, is it is it hard to be a woman in Lebanon without the game dev aspect? And then, you know, when you throw that in, uh, you know, does it make it even harder? Mm -hmm. So... As a woman, in general, disregarding Lebanon, we all know that we face, uh, at some point, discrimination and equal pay. And we have uh, our, our constant fight that we are equal to our colleagues and we can produce and work the same as them. Now, as a woman in Lebanon, um, it is tough. It is tiring. But it's, but it's not always black. There's, there's always a bright side. It's not always dark. It's more about your character. If you have a character, if you know how to talk and say no, you can force this. You can force this around you and they all understand you. They respect you. They know their boundaries. And it's more about um, me putting boundaries. I don't accept the way that that person treating me. 
and I address this honesty, transparency. Um, it's sad that I always have to address this because I don't know why 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 they find it weird when they see a woman. Um, I'm gonna say uh, in Lebanon because again, it's not a field that is very common here. At, uh, in like four years ago, five years ago, I was the only female in the community, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was. At first, I wasn't excited. I was a bit cautious. But but like after mm-hmm. showing up on multiple events, they understood me. We understood each other, and we became friends. The people that were uh, racist or discriminating, I, I I cut them off, and they knew their limits. So it's more a constant fight that I am a woman, and I can fit anywhere in any community, either in Lebanon or ever or anywhere in the world. Um, beside that, Lebanon situation uh, and wars and um, this kind of thing it is definitely very hard. It's definitely very tiring and emotionally and mentally exhausting. Um, so overall, being a woman in Lebanon, uh, it has its challenges. But again, it's not always dark. It's not always the dark side. We need to see the bright side in some, uh, in some point or else, uh, th- I mean, that's the part of survival, to adapt. I, I'm just, uh, I'm just taken aback at how positive you are because you're far more positive than I am <laughs> about anything. <laughs> you're very optimistic. I need you as my motivational speaker. Like. Thank you. I'm just, I'm really trying my hard. I, um, I never thought that it's positive talk to be honest, unless people told me that. Um, it's, it's. I don't know how to explain, but. Um, like I'm talking like this, but I, deep inside it, it, it bothers me. It it really it it hurts. Like why am I in this kind mm-hmm. of situation? For uh, example, but uh, mm-hmm. we need to adapt. That's part of survival again. So mm-hmm. strength. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of you know what 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 doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that you know through living through certain situation and certain things that are unpleasant. Uh, you you either, as you said, develop your character and get stronger in the process, or you don't. But if you don't, you you're not getting ahead. You're not doing what you want. You're not doing what you wish. And then, of course, you get uh, left behind. So you really have no alternative. You have to, you know, get stronger and uh, follow your dreams, as you did. Yes, you have to. Uh, you have to get into the challenges. Um, I have a point uh, with the term stronger. Um, there's nothing wrong with being weak sometimes. I cannot put my always. I cannot be wearing my shining armor and just like going into battles. It's good mm-hmm. to choose less battles, but it's more to be aware and acknowledge that my envir- that I am in this environment that's been into a lot. That's um, that I don't. That is not fair, not just for me, but to anyone to live in this kind of environment. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 uh, going, it's, uh, going into the challenges and t- taking the risk. I am, I am fearful, by the way, I have, I have my fears, but I am mm-hmm. strong. I am strong in some parts and that's, 
that's how uh, I practice. Uh, since you're also basically kind of a, a torch bearer, can, can we say that? Can, you know, you, you, <laughs> you brought the torch for uh, f- female developers in, uh, in your area, in your country. Um, when you started, you were the, the only one in the, in the community. But uh, right now, the, there are other, uh, other women, other girls? Or... Of course. The community grows. Ah, that's great. Of course, I am. I when I enter the community, I have a goal to be a volunteer because helping people is a, it's one of my goals in life to pay it forward. Because if if they didn't help me, for example, the guys uh, Groovy entered, if they didn't accept me to be an intern, I wouldn't be there. So I wanted to pay it forward. I um, socialized a lot with the community. I volunteered as a community manager. And my goal was to diversify this community. We need female. We need. We don't have to be gender based. Gender based. Everyone is welcome. LGBTQ plus is welcome. Um, this was something that I was working on. Along the years, we we had more females. We have more. Um, it was it was growing, and it was it was way much better than before. And I hope it's still no. I left the volunteering part, but I hope it's still it's still growing because we need this field here. We we are creative. There are a lot of people with great ideas. There are cool programmers, female, male, whatever. And I, I have seen um, gorgeous games, and I have seen people give up on their games, and I have seen people who traveled had to travel, and. Um, I just hope that we have a medium that is safe for us here. But again, um, it is very difficult, especially after Beirut Blast, that everything had to stop. We had, we had ideas. We, we wanted to do, a, a, um, the organizers wanted to do a place for like teaching game dev or, or a hub for game developers. Everything stopped after the blast. So it is very sad what is I'm furious. I'm angry because it's it's unfair what's happening. It's um, inhuman. Uh, people want to live their life like any other in the world. And can, can you just expand on um, s- some of the like details that you're talking about for people who might not know? <clears throat> um, you know, you say it's inhuman. Can you just sort of maybe explain what you're talking about a little bit more in depth? Yes, so... Um... As you know, a year ago, Beirut Blast happened. And uh, uh, the blast is the third biggest non-nuclear blast in history. I was 10 minutes away from this. Um, There were a lot of victims, 200 plus victims, uh, uh, 300,000 displaced, uh, 7K injured, and a city that got destroyed in 10 seconds. Uh, After this, we faced a lot of economical... um, uh, issues, uh, uh, hyperinflation. We even uh, were a world record because of hyperinflation. There's no dollars in the country, so uh, the prices went skyrocket. Our our currency is devalued. Aside of this, we don't have power, we don't have electricity, we don't have water, clean water, and we don't have fuel. So a lot of uh, uh, factories had to close. And by this, uh, a lot of products, uh, we have limited products. And also, we don't have med- a lot of medication because of this situation. We don't have a government. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's endless. 
we don't have basic human rights here. <laughs> this is our challenge. And this is still a year later. A year. This is still going. Yeah. Still After the blast, everything went downhill. Mm. And uh, and that is uh, and also our fight for justice and accountability for Beirut blast victims is. Uh, we're always protesting about that. So when I say inhuman, I mean the amount of injustice that we're facing. And it's the same case for most countries in the Middle East. Um, these things should not happen. This is a man-made disaster. It's not a natural disaster. Wars and explosions and blasts. It is, it's, it's very um, traumatic and horrible and inhuman. It, it stops us from um, accomplishing our dreams. One of this, for example, is growing this community as a safe hub for game developers. Half of us travel, half of them travel to seek a better uh, life, a better safe life, because we're heartbroken. I could have lost my life uh, a year ago. I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know what will happen tomorrow, but again, I don't want this talk to be that's that much depressing. I'm just saying my experience and um, I want people to know, um, Despite the dark side, there's always light, and we need to find this light. We need to search for it. That's part of survival. So it's sad that um, a lot of cool projects had to be on hold, but we can always try our best and find a way. And I'm happy to say that I'm working on an amazing project, for example, with an amazing company. This is something that it's, it's, um, it's really, uh, to me, is an accomplishment amidst the chaos. <laughs> uh, and for example, one of the of the problems that you face uh, daily as a developer that you also were mentioning to me on Twitter was that uh, you get no electricity after yeah. twelve uh, twelve well, p.m. Yes. Basically, it's pretty. It's, it's after midnight. Funny. Not just after mid. I have one hour power a day. Another one hour power oh. at like afternoon. Just one hour. Why? Why? Why are they? Why? Why are they turning on the generator for one hour? It's not. It's useless. Just turn it off. <laughs> Keep it turned off. And then we have like five hours at night. If uh, some people want to wash uh, the laundry or watch TV, the news, for example. The reason behind this because the lack of fuel. So our gen. We cannot light the turn on the generator uh, all day. And this is a this is the generator for the building, not from the government. There's no power in the government. This is literally a failed state. This is one of my daily issues because this is stressing, and I need to be productive for my job and avoid these kind of distractions. Um, and it's it's a challenge. It's an uh, it's a daily challenge for me, for any developer, and for any person in Lebanon. Um, to overcome these challenges and just to sustain a normal life. There's no normal life here in darkness. When I say in darkness, like literally darkness, I have flashlight in my back and we're not resilient. <laughs> I Like I hear uh, people online say that we are resilient. No, we're not. We don't want this life. Resilience is, like, is, is overcoming this and, and, and accepting the fact that you can always overcome it because I'm resilient. No, I don't want to be resilient. I want this to stop. But yes, 
but now the main goal here is I want to be uh, I want to work on games I want to make games like anyone anyone else like my friends so again I'm very happy that I'm working on a gorgeous educational game I cannot say a lot about it because it's not announced yet give us a teaser, uh, teaser. okay you learn how to talk Arabic <laughs> oh that's great I like it yeah. is it for children or can I well play? actually you can play it because we're a it's it's uh, targeted for children but the way that we're working on uh, it fits all ages I, I see where this is wait are you sure that he can play it are you really sure come on all people are can you really play sure? it it's very fun <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the showcase. And you tell me. We'll, we'll make another podcast where you play the game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Live on Twitch. Live on Twitch. Oh, no. And of course, I think um, because of the incidents, it's one of the inspiration that led me to develop my own game, Stronger Together. So is this is this what you're uh, another game you're working this on? Is, right this now? is my own game. I work on it at night when I'm free mm. from work. Tell us about mm -hmm. it. All right, let's do it. So Stronger, uh, Stronger Together is an isometric story-driven adventure game that has a diverse sets of characters. It, talk, uh, it talks about the story of different um, individual and you go, um, you meet them and you be friends with them and they tell you their stories and you have to accomplish mm -hmm. the adventure with them. And this is the part of being stronger together. Um, the mechanics um, are are close to you have a party member, so you switch between them, and you solve some puzzles, and uh, you uh, yeah you go on an adventure with this. That's my main goal. Hmm. <laughs> and and does this have a release date, or are you just kind of working on it when you get time? No, I won't give release date unless I make a, I finish the prototype first. This is something uh, that is under development. So it's in the prototyping stage for phase one um, about um, a gameplay. First of all, a showcase of the gameplay. And then it continues to prototype phase two and will be the release date will be in the timeline, pipeline. Hmm. Well... Count us, uh, count us in. I mean, we're interested. If you need uh, you know, any gameplay testers, we're oh, available. Definitely. Give me, give me, give me. I need gameplay testers. <laughs> so I was curious. Um, your adventure game is it inspired by any other adventure games you've played lately? You know, classic ones, or it's your own thing? Oh, it's definitely inspired by Sapphire games. Aside from the story, that is, story is a personal inspiration. Um, one of them recently that um, that's that's really giving me inspiration is Eastward, because um, uh, the game, this game is very is very good. It's very fun um, because of the mechanics, the uh, the way that uh, you switch between characters and the way you go on an adventure together and meet up town folks and uh, advance in story. So this is a part of my also new inspiration one of the games and uh, I, I'm not sure to, Final Fantasy 12 is a bit of inspiration 
Again, I like the, the thought of party members, of having a party members in your game and you switch between them. I really love this. And you have like, they're following you and each have their own um, power and you use their own power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Definitely so, so it's, uh, it, it's, a bit, it's a bit like uh, Earthbound, which I think uh, yeah. Eastward took a bit of inspiration from, definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. A bit of inspiration. And it's uh, the important thing for me, it's also isometric. I love isometric games. One of the inspiration uh, of, the, of making an isometric game is Hades. Oh, I like oh. Hades. Laya, do you want to guess who here doesn't like Hades? Jesse? <laughs> Why, Jesse? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think it's a good game. I just got bored. I don't. I'm not big into You're like. Not into boo, boo. So, so Laya, you like Hades, I guess. Of course. Yes, I like Hades a lot. I like. Yeah, um, it's great. I, it's it's pretty great. It's a. Uh, it makes you angry at some point where you keep on losing and you keep on repeating, and that's mm. the part of uh, mm. challenge for me. <laughs> I like the weapons, the set of weapons and upgrading weapons. I love, uh, I love the narrative very much. I have crush on Thanatos. I have, I have crush on Meg. Damn, you, you like the brooding types. <laughs> so beautiful. I have a crush on Meg. I have literally on every character. I think, mm -hmm. except, except Dusa. But anyways, um, I'm what? sorry. <laughs> Jesse, right, I don't uh, think look, you're agreeing a lot. This route, but... <laughs> I thought you didn't like the game. I, I, I think you find like Gorgon house cleaners no. are the sexiest characters. <laughs> don't, don't, drag me, don't drag me into that. <laughs> <laughs> think about, I don't know, I just find her, she's, she uh, stresses a lot. It's not like I don't like I don't like that character. Um, it's uh, it's fine, but I find Meg is more. Um, she has this uh, this character that I really like. <laughs> she's tough. She's uh, strong, and I like Thanatos. He's also tough and strong, and he has his, his mood, have his special mood. But yeah, anyway, um, I love this game a lot, especially when mm -hmm. he. It was pretty much emotional. Oh. Damn. Damn. Spoilers spoil. alert, huh? Oh my god, I didn't know. <laughs> ah, don't worry. That's it. Don't worry, it's old news at this point. Come on. <laughs> You're going to put an alarm on this part. Yeah, like exactly. Like, warning, warning. Here comes the spoilers. Yeah, uh, yeah, I especially liked in 80s how they managed to make what you said. Uh, <clears throat> kind of repetitive nature of having to play it several times to actually finish it because you're not supposed, of course, to finish it the first time through or even the tenth time through. Uh, but yeah, they managed to kind of work the narrative around the gameplay mechanic of, you know, the, the typical roguelite of having to replay it again and again. And yeah, I think it works even better because of that, because of the whole repetition thing. And I mean, and I hate repetition normally. I mean, in my life, I hate when the thing repeats and when I do the same thing every day, I, I kind of freak out. But yeah, I, I love repetition in 80s. So they, they really did a good job there. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially when you update your weapons, you have uh, 
the different type and the different power-ups and um, there's a lot into this game. I'm happy they won an award. They really deserve it. Yeah. So, but yeah, you were saying that this that's inspiration for your current game. Yeah, the visual most part of it, which is isometric. I like the display. I like the ortho. Right. I like the side view display of the game. But you're still using uh, Unity for this game, or using something else? All right. So uh, concerning this, um, I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> this is a tricky question because I I was yeah. initially using. <laughs> <laughs> I know why you asked this. <laughs> I was initially. <laughs> I don't want to answer that. It's under uh, under. Uh... It's private, basically. It's confidential. It's confidential <laughs> between me and myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm actually looking to port it to Godot, honestly. Uh, so mm -hmm. this is something uh, that's why it's been uh, on um, underdeveloped for some time uh, for this for taking this kind of decision. Uh, I cannot announce which engine I'm gonna use right now until I uh, honestly post the prototype. I'd rather uh, wait for that point. It's more because I want my game to be localized. I want to use different uh, languages, of course, um, all kinds of languages in my game. Um, I'm using an engine that really makes my life easier with this, especially when I want to localize my game in Arabic. I want an engine that supports my language. And it's something that's why I'm, I'm thinking about this ahead right now to make the decision about that. Godot supports Arabic. Unreal supports Arabic. Unity <laughs> does not support Arabic. So until they make the first update as per the the localization uh, team we'll see if they're gonna support arabic or not um i'm very sad honestly <laughs> yeah it's, it's crazy i mean uh it is sad uh, it's not they didn't take this into imagine a localization feature that does not support languages but only uh <laughs> does not support joint language joint letters and uh arabic even Persian and I think Indian too. It's um, mostly a joint letter or a joint letters language. Yeah, it's not support. And you need to use a third party plugin. So what's the use of this feature if I want to use a third party plugin? I have much more time on myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's I mean full full disclosure that that that's the reason I was asking because <laughs> I know <laughs> I, I I remember that. I, I remember you got really mad on Twitter, of course, because of this. I mean, you, you were absolutely right. I mean, the reason support, that I got course, mad because... because I tested their feature and I told them that it does not work on my language before they publish it, before they announce it. Um, the reply was, yeah, "We will work on it after the release." Then you're not taking my <laughs> language into consideration, and it's not yeah. just Arabic. So so they're basically just saying you don't want to fix it. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're saying but, but they're also out. just saying everyone who speaks Arabic isn't isn't as uh, important basically as everyone is it else. considered? I mean, they just uh, yeah. I was watching their panel uh, about Open Project where they talked about this localization feature that makes every developer life easy in localization. So I tried it. I got so excited. 
I tried it at home and, and bam, my Arabic is non-readable. I cannot read it. I cannot write it in the engine. I cannot even paste it. I need a third-party plugin that most probably may make my life easy. But it's not like this, this person who made this plugin is out of his free time. He just wants to make his life easier. <laughs> so it was very sad, especially that, that I addressed the issue. But um, hopefully we'll be considered <laughs> in the localization feature. Who knows? That's uh, still on hold. Yeah, I mean, because it's not really, uh, you know, like a, a minor language, a small language. I mean, it's a exactly. very important language. So that, that, that that's why I was saying that it's crazy that Unity yeah, Blacks There's a region. Kind of stuff, uh, exactly. A whole region yeah. in the Middle East and North Africa, they talk Arabic. And that that is excluding uh -huh. the people worldwide who talk Arabic also. Um, I don't know why it's not considered. It's not rocket science. You're not making a rocket to the moon. You're just including languages and fixing the engine at some encoding part that reads the joined letter. I'm a web developer before. When I used to create databases, I used to make sure that it has the right uh, options that enable the like my website to show Arabic language uh, right. The joint letters. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't take me time, for example. I, I understand. <laughs> I don't know why they don't want to take time fixing this, but they told me they hired someone, so good for them, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, we'll that's see. a start. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we need a special uh, yeah. podcast about this when they announce it. <laughs> Trying uh, different languages yeah. with the localization feature. Wow, we have lots of episodes ahead of us. That's a lot of. That's lots of. Luckily, we got a very generous editor on the podcast that he is ready to do everything, sleep. everything thank he can you, to you. you know get the episode out as fast as possible. <laughs> thank you, you editor. Thank you. thank you very much. <laughs> oh, no. we will forever support you, Jesse. Oh. You're awesome. <laughs> I see. I see what's happening. <laughs> that is almost because a kind of you know very generous, very uh, helpful mobbing, basically against Jesse. <laughs> okay, Lyle. Uh, should anyone curious about your projects and your adventure and your learning Arabic game? How can people reach you? So I have my LinkedIn, I have my Twitter account, I have my itch if they want to check my games. And I will, of course, announce um, the game that I'm working on on Twitter. So that's also. Mm -hmm. Layal Al-Fakir, they can reach me there. And same for itch, same name. Look, I, no, I, was just, I just wanted to say, I think, you know, Lyle has a, a really powerful story and it's just a shame this whole episode's going to get scrubbed because she makes me and you look bad, damn it. <laughs> With her positivity and... Well, well because, all because you're a Debbie Downer. Come on, you're still in time to change your, uh, your attitude. Come on, don't be Debbie. The things you do to me and everything you say I just can't get enough I just can't get enough